Hosting a radio show is fun. This is the worst job I've had since I was the conductor for the Sand People Choir. You're listening to the Sports Radio Cast with hosts Dave and Dave. This ain't no party. From in-show interviews. This ain't no disco. The latest gossip. This ain't no fooling around. And upcoming schedule of events. Check us out on WPHLive.tv. Yeah, and this is episode number 24 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast. My name is Dave Vincent. We have special guests today that will blow your socks off. Superstars of the sport of handball in the studio right here in Tucson, Arizona. And we cannot be more pleased. You're going to like it. This radio show brought to you by WPH Patron supporters, Patron pledgers of the sport of handball at patron.com slash WPH live. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash WPH live. What happens on Patreon, you ask? Well, thanks for asking, first of all. Exclusive handball content. This radio cast, for example, it's being heard and watched by Patreon members right now only. Yeah, Patreon gets all new breaking stories first, all new flashes, contests, special exclusive handball content that you can't find anywhere else. Can't see a handball match because you're in a blacked out area in your country? We give out private links so you can watch everything. Need on-demand videos? We have that too. It's patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash W-P-H live. Okay, so now the full crew has just rolled in. So get ready because we have segment number two right after SRN News. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump says he's feeling badly for British Prime Minister Theresa May, who has announced that she would resign. May says she will step aside after being unable to secure a Brexit deal. Former British Prime Minister David Cameron says he knows the pain May is feeling. She cared passionately about the job and about the country, and she wanted to serve the public just as I did. And when you come to that moment that you know your time is up, it's, it's extremely hard to take. May says she'll step down June 7th. President Trump ordering documents to be declassified so the Attorney General can investigate the origins of the Mueller probe. Let us correspondent Greg Cluxton reports. The president describes the Russia probe as an attempted coup, and he's giving Attorney General William Barr the authority to review and potentially release classified information. We want to be very transparent, so as you know, I declassified everything, everything they want. Mr. Trump also has directed the U.S. intelligence community to quickly and fully cooperate with Barr's investigation. Greg Clugston, the White House. Also at SRNews.com, Texas Congressman Chip Roy says he objects to a disaster relief bill in the House. It's a bill that includes nothing to address the clear national emergency and humanitarian crisis we face at our southern border. Senate action came after the president backed off in his fight with Democrats over aid to Puerto Rico. On Wall Street, stocks have been higher. The Dow up 100 points. This is SRN News. It's the Dave and Dave Handball Radio Sportscast on WPH Live TV, iTunes, and TuneIn Radio. Here we are. I mean, it's a great day, I think. It's post-Salt Lake City, pre-National Handball Championships, Los Caballeros Sports Village, June 26th through the 30th, where we will be having that live broadcast. My name is Dave Vincent. This is the... Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio Cast. Dave Fink, Sienna, Killian, Luis times two in the studio, which is, yeah, I guess pretty cool. We've never had more star power in this office, and I don't think we ever will. Well, people keep writing in because you know how they are. I do. I've read the tweets. They say, we need to have more star power. 
Could you? I see the screenshots of those. And I thought, you know, what I should do is perhaps just put everybody in here in the office at one time. I right. mean, that's really how you do it. And then we don't have to do it for like four or five months. And then it averages out to like, you know, we have one guest every single, every single time we do the show. So that's how we did it. Dave, I, I said earlier that we're going to talk about Salt Lake City and also a little bit about the USHA Nationals. Let's do Salt Lake City right now. We have everybody here in the studio, and they were all basically in Salt Lake City. Now, I know Luis Sr. wasn't, but he was there in spirit. He did not miss a match. No, I mean, he's he's our faithful our faithful viewer, one. We, when you see that one show up on the, on the views, you know exactly who that one is. And then from there, it's all downhill. So let's talk about it. First of all, let's introduce Killian Carroll. Congratulations, mister, on winning that that big trophy, the belt. Well, thanks very much, Dave. Really Four straight it. players' championships. I mean, that's Killian unreal. Carroll. Yeah, that's great. Amazing. And then we have Sianna over here. Sianna, let's just, let's just get to it right now. How do you say your last name? Um, I get asked this a lot. It's Nikharin. Yeah, but see, I heard Killian yesterday or two days ago say it a little bit different. Nikharin. Is that how you say it? How do you say it, Dave? Nikarin. Like Killian said it. Yeah, all right. No, I do. <laughs> Luis, how do, you, how do you say Sianna's last name? I say Nikuhirian. Oh, wow. <laughs> that ex- sounds much better. That is exactly what I was hoping to hear right there. Well, I'm just going to go with Nikarin. Yeah, I'm good with that. You're okay with that? But yeah. then I get like I get bashed on the, uh, the tweets. Uh, I've heard much worse. Okay, but I, I've been... I've, I've seen better days when I've tried to pronounce your name. Anyway, let's go over here to Luis. Is it Cordoba or is it Cordoba? It's Cordoba. 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 How come I sound like I'm like, I sound like I'm from Transylvania here and I'm going to suck somebody's blood. Cordoba. Is that okay? Yeah, Cordoba. Okay, Cordoba. And then we have Dave Fink to my immediate right. Let's break into it. The race for eight Salt Lake City. Recap. Outstanding tournament. I heard all season that this was the best pro handball season in history, and it had so much to do with having so many different champions. Lucho won the first one, Sean Lenning the second one, Danos the third. Killing did not pick up his first win until the fourth stop of the year, but he ended the season winning three of the last four events in which he started. Killing, we never had a two-time race freight players champion until you did it in 2017. Now you've made that four in a row. Talk a little bit about that incredible run you had in Salt Lake City. It looked like you were on the ropes against Lucho. You lost the first game of that semifinal, 15-9. You turned around and started serving left-handed at 2-2 in the second game, and the whole match turned around. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the court, I think, was really on my side. You know, that, that side glass wall is, is extremely difficult, and, you know, I really suffered this year, and I... I got a bad dosing of it in uh, Portland, Oregon, when Daniel put the lob serve back at me in Portland. So I can understand that switching to left, you know, changes things up. It's different. And then that's like glass wall alone. You know, so I think that really helped me. And I was doing a lot of practice with the left-hand serve before Salt Lake City. So I was kind of extremely confident going into it. So I didn't hesitate to switch. Was that a strategy that you thought about if things weren't going your way that you might switch to in the middle of the That was a definite strategy, yeah. Let's talk to Lucho for a second. Lucho, that was a great match that you played a great tournament you had there in Salt Lake City. What did that do to you when you saw Killian turn around and start serving left hand? Not just serving left hand, but amazing bullets straight down that left wall. Well, at first I was I was feeling good. I was like, oh, well, that's good. He's going to start serving left-handed. He'll give me some setups. And then he started just really serving well. So I, I was kind of struggling. You know, you're not used to 
seeing that I've just never seen that surf so it's just it was kind of strange it would it would natural every time it would natural and it would stay stay on the wall it was just it was just strange I wasn't expecting it so it just caught me off guard well you know the crowd went crazy when Killian made that flip over to the left and then he hit that flat rollout and I was hearing people say they've never even seen that before and Dave you're a lefty were you a little envious when you look over there and say, what the heck is going on here? I mean, well, everything he touches is good. Killing when you hit that serve to the right and it flat rolled out off the right side wall, I couldn't believe it. That was incredible. I mean, that had to that takes so much power and spin. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you see Sean Lenning do it every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, so I don't think what's so special about it on a second serve at that, so. Not with his left, though. I haven't seen it. I'm not saying he couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, but you, you got to realize it's just pure luck, you know. Siana, you're a huge fan of the tour. You're obviously the second best player on the tour on the women's side, but is this the best robbery in the sport, Killian and Lucho, right now? It seems like every time these two play, it's But what incredible. about Martina and, and well, I'm Katrina? I'm talking about just on the race for eight, okay. the men's tour. All right. Sorry. Um, more specific. Yeah, I think at the moment it is one of the best rivalries going, and it was another great game at the weekend, and, you know, I think any given day it could go either way, but... Killian obviously managed to switch it up and get the win. So, of course, Killian gets the title there, but there were some other great matches there. Sean Lenning takes down Paul Brady. He had never beat Paul Brady before. He lost him 11-10 tiebreaker in 2007, 11-9 in 2012. He had some other sort of close calls, and he gets him this time. What was the difference there, Siona? Um, to be honest, I don't know, because like when you see Paul Brady's intern now, you're very excited to see him play on all these um, tournaments. And just from talking to Sean, he didn't seem too confident, but maybe that kind of worked for him because he wasn't expecting that much. And he just managed to play unbelievable throughout the whole thing. Yeah, the final killing was you and Danos and close first game, but then you just kind of ran away from it. Talking to Danos, he said, killing just had me off balance. Couldn't really do anything. Well, you know, I've been there many times before in, in Daniel's situation, especially in training, actually. You know, when I was going playing Tony Healy, you know, it was this whole thing that, right, this is the night that I'm going to get Tony Healy. You know, I'd like pump myself up, drive myself insane, you know, run myself through a wall, you know, just get that hyped about playing a game. You know, and, and, and Daniel was kind of a, in a similar mindset. You know, he, he just, he really wanted this win. He went in with extreme confidence and he wanted to go out guns blazing. But the only thing is when my experience of playing Tony is when, you, when you're that pumped up and you change a pace, you know, it really affects you seriously because you know it's it's a whole different aspect you expect one thing and you're getting another and it really changes the whole thing from the get-go do you run out of steam a lot earlier when you have yourself hyped up for one of these matches and you all of a sudden you just say i'm just you know i'm in great shape but all of a sudden something's not working here oh exactly i mean if you're excited you know your muscles are tensing you know that they're getting rattled up you know you're just uh, losing all that energy just sitting there you know thinking about a how well you're going to play or, you know, how, you know, just being excited. So, you know, just trying to keep your mind off the game and just, you know, simple thoughts is a lot better than trying to hype yourself up, I think. Dave, I think we're going to shift gears and talk about the women's race freight in Salt Lake City. I think we should. Okay. Let's go into segment number three. It's the women's race for eight Salt Lake City coming into the event. We knew little about Martina McMahon entering the tournament. We knew that Katrina Casey was in. We saw that Siana would be in the bottom bracket. And we thought this is going to be one hell of a final if these two match up. And then Martina comes in. What do you feel about that, Siana, when you see another competitor jump in? Do you say, you know, this is a challenge that I want? Or do you look at it the other way and say, uh-oh, here's the challenge that is going to really push me here? 
Um, well, for me, like I'm always hoping that the best players are going to enter because I haven't won a tournament yet on the Pro Tour. So like when I do, I want to beat everyone that I can just to say, yeah, I beat everyone there was. So I was really excited when I saw Martina was entered. And <clears throat> Killian just touched on like when you're overexcited for games, it really does affect you. And I think I was so pumped for the game. It took me a long time to like settle down when I was playing Martina, which we saw like in the first game I struggled to even get my serve right at all in the first game. It took me a long time to switch my serve, so I was disappointed with that. Um, but you know, I was excited to see Martina enter, and I hope that everyone will keep coming to all these tournaments next year. Well, I played you a couple nights ago in doubles against you, and I could not believe how good you were. I, You know, I've played against Katrina, Tracy Davis, Ashley Moeller, and you were amazing. I mean, I just couldn't believe how you kind of played the alpha male in there, and you were directing traffic you're you're absolutely I, I was wondering how anybody even beat you um I, I know the game's different because it is doubles and i've seen martina play doubles and not that she isn't good because she is good but i can't see how anybody is as good as you are playing on the left side just remarkable and then i was kind of reflecting like how come you haven't won yet this is you've got every tool possible you match up you seem like you match up perfectly with martina i know you have power she has amazing power with her left hand does it bug you a bit when you look back at your match and your score and say, I should have forced it down her right to the right more or hit more ceiling shots or pushed her around? Yeah, um, like reflecting on it, I was definitely too slow switching my serve. Like when I switched it down the left, especially with that left sidewall, even though Martina's left-handed, that worked really well for me in the second game. And looking back on the whole season, like, like you said, I've been pushing Katrina, push Martina in the second game, but... To be honest, you kind of get sick of pushing people. You just want to like actually push through them and get that win. So a uh, bit frustrating. Do you think that if you had a coach, I mean, somebody that, that would be out there after you called a timeout, somebody that can reset you and say, you need to switch now? Because sometimes I know you get in there and it's sort of like the definition of insanity. And you, you know, you just said that you switched too late on that serve. You know, when you serve to the left, she was throwing it to your right. Mm -hmm. And when you serve it to her right, she's going to send it back down that left crazy hole in the wall look that you were getting. But do you think that maybe if somebody was there just to kind of like remind you that you should switch your serve? Yeah, well, I don't know now. Like, you know, I'm so used to traveling to these tournaments alone. Like, you don't really know how you'll react to that. But, you know, you never know. I guess it could help. Let's talk a little bit, Siana, about the final. Of course, it... You know, could have gone either way between you and Martina. You got off that slow start. You made a big comeback in the second game and came up just short. But Martina and Katrina in the final was just such high-level handball. I'm sure as a fan, you were really enjoying the match. As a player, you wish you were in there. But I thought the level of play throughout the first game and the first half of the second game was about as high as I've ever seen. And then Martina had that lull. It was about five all. And then she just seemed to lose her concentration. She whiffed or missed three lob serves out of four. And all of a sudden, Katrina was in control at 12-5. Martina made a late run, kind of like you did. And then Mar uh, Katrina ends up winning at her sixth straight Players' Cup and Players' Championship. So what did you see in that match? Uh, well, I was watching it from up above on the left sidewall, so you could actually see like the power that these girls are hitting her with is insane. Um, and again, like you said, Martina kept kind of like having lulls throughout the first game, especially. But like she's so strong, she'd go on a run then of like five or six points and be back in it. But Katrina just kept switching from side to side throughout the rallies, switching her serve, going from a power serve to a lob serve. 
and those lob serves like I've experienced them they look like you should be able to hit them back well but especially with that left side wall they're very challenging so Katrina was just very smart throughout the whole thing. Well, what I see with Katrina and Killian is the ability to adapt their games throughout a match, more so than anyone. They change their serves, they change their strategy, sometimes even as dramatic as switching, like Killian did, to left-handed. But, you know, I've, I've watched Katrina play three-wall, big ball and small ball and one-wall, and she just figures out how to play whoever she's playing. And I think that's one of her greatest strengths. That, and she added that amazing dump shot recoil with her right that won her both games. Yeah, I said that after the first game as well. I'd never seen Katrina playing so offensively. Like, she was just going to kill everything, which you really need to do against Martina. And I guess that comes with confidence too, being able to switch your game just in any given second when you realize something is kind of not working out for you, just to believe I've practiced for this and I can just pull something else out of the toolbox. Well, I think Katrina reads the tweets and she sees the messages that when she's losing, it's because she's playing too defensively. I saw her taking balls off the left side wall, which is very hard to see, and fly killing them, or trying to. And that showed me right away that she was there to dictate play and to not allow, you know, to get herself to get into that defensive frame of mind. And I think that's probably what won her the match. Yep. When someone has the power of Martina, you really need to take control. Luis, you, and I see Killian do this all the time, but it seems like a new trend now for the top players are stepping in and watching other matches, not just the men's matches, but the women's matches, the senior matches. You guys are hanging out much more than the old days. You can kind of still remember the old days, and certainly more so than than Killian, but you know when the guys from that previous generation, they would just go back to the hotel room, you wouldn't see them at all. You guys are kind of hanging out. What what made that transition? Or Are you making a conscious effort, or are you just a fan of handball and you want to watch? Because I saw you watching the women's finals, and I certainly Killian's refed the women's finals before. Uh, looking back to Portland. So I know you guys all do it. Dave, you do it too. Why is that? I don't know. I think we're all we're all good friends on the tour, you know. Uh, I have my brother there, so we're always having a good time. We always have, you know. I mean, we're all just good friends, so it's always just fun to stay around. You always want to watch the matches. Sean's playing, so, you know, you stay and watch Sean. Keelan's going to play. He's going to destroy somebody. I always want to watch some, him destroy somebody. You know, like... <laughs> It's just it's just fun to stay stick around. Sometimes it is too much, but you know you just I don't know. And Killy, do you do you gather anything from these matches? I mean, can you look at this and say I'm going to try that? I mean, I know we're at, in an advanced stage of your uh, of your career, but is there still room to learn from watching somebody like Katrina or Martina play Siana? Can you get anything out of that? Oh, um, definitely. Uh, you know, many a time that I've I've gotten something out of it. You know like a girls match you know I mean especially from Katrina's game you know the, the biggest downfall with Katrina is that she's uh, very slow to switch to the sidewall and offensively hit a ball like um, with a sidearm shot you know she likes to face the ball uh, front on but that's why I think her dump game needs to improve a lot more if she wants to be a lot offensive but in coming back to terms of what I learned from them you know Katrina's serve and her mobility you know she torques the ball with uh, <coughs> with great consistency which has improved over the years, you know, and you see it with like Armando Ortiz and even David Fink, you know, just um, the flow they have of like going through the ball, you know, because it's very important that you don't tense up when you're hitting these shots and that you hit it with like as much range of motion as possible and you hit it with like as much composure because that gathers consistency and more power. So, you know, learning that from Katrina and not, not alone from a different stroke of Martina because she's the biggest hitter in girls' handball and she is the most fluid left hander. Well, probably, yeah, ever? second or... Ever? Yeah, I mean, that other guy my age. 
Niall O'Connor has another fluid left hand, but the two of them, you know, it's just amazing to watch. And it's just something that I want to learn from Martina, is just that nice fluid left, like, modified sidearm underhand stroke that just works so well from anywhere in the court, up front, up back, you know, and just watching her feet work, you know, she has this low, like, or slow, you know, front step where, like, she puts all the power on her back foot and then, like, puts um, her front foot down and then she swings through a lot slower than a lot of people and I think that generates a lot more power um, while, you know, have this, like, fluid consistency. Dave, you know, you have to be breaking it down too because I, I was asking our film crew if they could go in there and just analyze this, like, sports science because there's something that she, Martina does that I have never seen before. It's it's the way that she she gathers torque, and just like what Killy says. You're not over-stroking the ball. And you look at her in comparison to way that Katrina Casey hits her left. Katrina coils up like a little snake, and then she just pops it really quick and has a lot of power. I don't know where she's even generating that power from, but it seems like she steps in at the right moment and just does this real quick snap. But Martina has a real fluid motion, yet I don't ever really see Martina ever getting fooled on a ball. You'd think somebody with that big swing would just maybe at times get eaten up by one of these shots, the balls coming off the sidewall or a bad hop, but she doesn't ever seem to have that. Right. It's it's very unique, and it's I would say the closest I've seen to it is John Bike in the late 80s and early 90s. He was also left-handed and used that one big stride and had so much power. And I agree with you. I always feel like if you're not taking those short adjustment steps that – you know, the ball is going to play you and you're going to be in a bad spot, but she just seems to know exactly where the ball is going to be. And it's it's a very uh, unique way to swing. I don't see anyone playing that way on the tour, on any of the tours. Well, it looks really cool. Yeah. Sianna, you are one of the most powerful women on tour as well. I put Ashley and Riley up there at times. Uh, you're selective on which ones you're going to hit as hard as you need to, and just like Ashley. Is Katrina one of the hard hitters in the game? Um, I think people underestimate Katrina's power like when you're in there against her she is hitting that ball hard like especially with her right when she goes for those kills like she's keeping them down like her power they'll fly past you before you can even stick your hand out sometimes so I think she is underestimated in terms of power because like you have Martina and it's so obvious that like she's going for it whereas Katrina's strokes aren't as like definite you know I actually think Dave's comparison of Martina to John Bike is pretty spot on. Um, you know, Martina's got a pretty good defense with her right hand, and it's not really to a point where I think it lets her down. It's obvious that it's not the same as her right as her left, but her right hand is is fairly good. It's like John Bike. You know, he didn't have great offense with his right hand. It was mainly defense, but when he did go for offense, it was pretty effective. I mean, my opinion, of course. Right, yeah, John Bike's one of the greatest of all time and very physical player. And I think that's what Martina's opponents feel playing her. Just that power is always pushing around. And if you give her an opportunity to set up, really with either hand, but especially the left, you're going to be in trouble. Either the rally's going to be over or you're going to be scrambling. Yeah, no, I, I, I really dug it. I liked watching those matches from the tournament. I think Fiona Tolley actually has a really good game as well. And I think yes. we're going to see her hopefully in the future, you know, we'll taking the game about her and then in the next couple oh, of well, segments. Well, okay, well I'll step back then. Okay. I don't want to upset anybody. Should we go to another segment? I'm thinking four now is what yes. number we're on. That's right. I'm going to get this wrong throughout the day, so just if I say the right number, then let me know. It's the senior tour where you took down Marco Chavez again, back to back seasons, when it comes to the Players Cup. Right. And you won it. And it was uh, 
interesting because you had to play back-to-back on that particular day. So I'm sure you were pretty tired after the event ended. Marcos had to do the same thing. But you guys had some weird moments in there. And I know that Killy probably watched this and, and Sienna. Luis, did you see where Marcos was complaining, trying to... You know what Marcos does. He tries to get motivated so he picks on somebody to fight with. And there was a moment in that match where you guys had a little argument... For the very first time of knowing you, you were actually right on that argument. Referee was wrong. Marcos was wrong. And yet you gave them, you let Marcos win the argument by giving him the ball. At an intricate time when he was making a nice little comeback. Can you relive that moment? Well, it wasn't an argument. He was arguing with the ref. He wasn't arguing with me. I mean, I was on the ground. I felt him jump over me. And he hit the ball right back to me. And I hit it back to him. And then he missed. And then he immediately was... um, you know, arguing for a hinder call. And he went outside the court. And, you know, from my position on the ground, I thought maybe I was in his way. I felt him jump over me. And I was on the ground. And I kind of don't really want to win like this if he feels like, you know, this is unfair at this point in the match. So I just said, just take it. Because I I don't know. I mean, you did jump over me. So maybe I was in your way. Hmm. So I gave it to him. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a strange moment. Actually, good moment for you. Uh, But strange because... It was the wrong well, call. Well, I'll say watching clearly on video wrong. later that night, I realized that he, he it was the wrong call on my part because he had a very good opportunity yeah. with me on the ground. That's exactly what you'd want. But at the time, I thought that, yeah, maybe I was in his way. I felt him, you know, jumping yeah. there. So I just felt like I'd rather... I didn't want to win that way. It was 13 to 9 at that point. And he was making a comeback. And then he, he was serving at 9 to 13. So, you know, I just felt like, well, I'd rather just... If I'm going to win, just win without this controversy. You know, Tyler Hamill, if he would have just entered the tournament, he would have really kind of pushed, some, especially if he would have made it to the finals or even semis, he would have been in the top three possibly mm-hmm. in the final rankings, and that would have been a nice little bonus check for him. He didn't enter the tournament, and Kevin Price popped in, and not only was he kind of the ref of the tournament, but he also ended the season in the top four. Yeah, Kevin's a very solid ball player. Utah State champion, current current Colorado State doubles champion. And he's got that pro mentality. He knows the right shots to hit. His only weakness is he doesn't really play much offense. So I think if he goes up against some of the top players, he's going to struggle because he's not going to end a lot of rallies. But his game is built on wearing people down. I know that's what he did to Chris Watkins, who's a former senior race for eight finalist and also top player. So, uh, you know, I think if Kevin added some more offense to his game, you'd see him really battling against some of these qualifier types and, you know, for the top spots on the senior tour. Yeah. What, what do you think about the season in general? I Overall. I, I just had a, a great time. Um, we had a lot of great camaraderie amongst the seniors. I think you saw the, the field trip from New Orleans where every player in the senior draw was out on Bourbon Street together the day before the tournament. And Alcatraz, a bunch of us, also went out. And, you know, I think there's just a nice... There's a lot of nice friendships there on the senior tour, and it's it's a lot of fun. Well, it's interesting that in the senior bracket, we have two guys ranked in the top eight. And, you know, after you guys move on, I don't know if we'll ever see that again. That's a pretty special thing. I know that we had Nadia Alvarado back when he was in the top eight, also a senior that could be, you know, we had different rules back then. So if you were in the top eight, you couldn't actually go into the seniors just because... On finals day, you'd have to possibly play back-to-back, but we've kind of changed that. You know, we've so we've had some strong players, but we just haven't had two in the in the top eight. 
it must be pretty interesting because I know it's kind of the talk of the town and it's probably not the fairest thing. But when people see you on the street, they'll bring up the fact that, you know, your age. It's like, wow, you're, you know, pretty good for your age. Right. If they even know that you play handball. But you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Well, I, I think that comes before anything. I, and it, rightly so, it probably should. Marco Chavez, same thing. He told me that, you know, if people more know me from the senior tour, even though I'm in the top eight. doesn't make sense. But that's handball. Anyway, he had a great season. You had a great season. The seniors, anything else you want to say? Anybody want to jump in on the seniors? Anybody? Or is it getting as much attention as the vibe in this room right now? <laughs> I mean, I know Lucho is a huge senior race for eight fan, so I'm surprised. I mean, he just has... I'm holding back. You are, aren't you? <laughs> I see that you uh, you have a shirt that you want Dave to autograph. Yes, I do. Yeah. And my butt. <laughs> I mean, that's the best part. Yeah. It's the best thing to autograph. What did it feel like, Dave, when you you got that belt that you That wear? I'm wearing right now. Yeah, you continually... <laughs> that I've been wearing since Sunday. That yeah. I wore on the plane on Sunday. You wore it on the plane. I did. They didn't make you take that off through security? No. I'm a, t- I'm a TSA pre-checker, so, so we when they say you can wear your belts, you actually said, yes. you know what? This is the time to pull this I'm out of the... Take advantage of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it was great because, you know, last year I I lost in the final to Marcos. We played one game to 25. I was up 22 to 18. I was three points from winning that match. And I can remember having a, a really good look with my right hand to score the 23rd point. And I just didn't put it down. And Marcos re-killed that shot. And then he just went on a tear, seven straight points. I don't think I returned more than two of those serves he hit. And I got to the, the same point in this match. I was down 12-0 in the first game, but then in the second game, I was up 12-9. to I started thinking to myself, this is just like last year. I'm three points away from winning. And when I got that 13th point, I kind of relaxed because now I was over the hump from the year before. Well, well congratulations on Thanks. that. But let's go back to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's move on to the next segment. We have what I call the Horizon Award winners or the Breakthrough Artist of the Year Awards. Let's take a quick gander at those well first on my list is siana who came into this season unranked she had not played a race a women's stop in a year and a half her previous stop she had lost to martina in salt lake city in the round robin before that the finals in new york that was back in 2017 she comes through to the finals in tucson and pushed katrina to the limit overtime in that second game she had, what, Sienna, at least three chances to win that second game to force a tiebreaker? Uh, yeah, I think I had two or three anyway. So that was uh, a statement right there, and then she backed it up in San Francisco with what I think is your biggest win. Your, I know you won the Collegiate Nationals, but as far as a match win, you took down Ashley Riley, who had never lost on the women's race parade to anyone except for Katrina. Yeah, that so, was the first time I beat her as well, so that was a big win for me. And that was... Um, pretty clinical because I was 15-11, 15-11. You were in control of that match. And, and then you played a great match against Martina. Well, I'd say a great second half of the second game. I agree. <laughs> I know you're not thrilled about the way the first game and a half went. and But, you know, it's a great rivalry. I can't wait to watch you guys play many, many more times, I hope. Lucho and Danos. Well, wait, first of all, okay. how many times has Siana won the breakthrough artist Award. I mean, <laughs> it, didn't she win that already? Like, one, you can just keep winning it. You break through, you get a knee injury, you come back again, you break yeah. through again. Don't underestimate the, the knee injury. She's like the comeback player of the year, like, every <laughs> a, after every injury. 
Right. Okay. All right. <laughs> I didn't say she won it. I'm just going through the list right now. Oh, okay. Now we have to okay. tabulate the votes before okay, anything. Right. So she's on the list. She's so she's nominated. It's okay. just a competition. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, only one to... winner. Okay. Lucho and Danos. Now they entered the season in the top eight. So you're saying, well, how can that be a breakthrough? But Lucho wins the first event. Danos is in the finals. Danos wins the third event. Then they both add one more title each throughout the season. So they end the season with two titles each, which is just one behind. Killian, and they both played amazing ball. Lucho never lost before the semifinals in all of his eight starts. Danos only lost once before the semifinals in his nine starts. And there were factors in every event to win. But didn't Dan- Danos already win the breakthrough artist of the... Oh, he's another one. Yeah, okay. He won rookie of the year. This is not rookie of the year. Close enough. He was already four coming into the season. They can take him off. Take him off the list. Yeah, but no wins. He picks up two wins and a win against Killian. Okay. Okay. So he's on the list. Barely. Luis, you're on the list. Just be happy that you're on the damn I don't list, want to Luis. Share it with him. Do you but you have to. Everything you're, you do is shared. The Cordova a, brothers. See, I, have I mean, come point. on. I have bullet points here. You're on the same bullet point. So <laughs> I mean, you better be happy for him because uh, if he rough. doesn't win, you don't win. I love it when I make shirts, and I also love the fact that that Danos loves wearing large because all I have to do is just put that name on there. And then I send it to Luis, and then he says, "Who is this for?" And then I don't even remember. Right. Yep. Fiona so Tully, Dave. Yeah. I, okay. Two straight semifinals. She was a rookie this yeah. season. She's up for rookie of the year and breakthrough. I can the year. see it. She's running to Katrina Casey both times in the semifinals, so that's kind of. I can see it. Yeah, I mean, well, according to Katrina, Fiona's the next big thing. She said it. You mm-hmm. heard it when she talked to Karamat. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, she should be on the list. And Leo Canales. I think Jr. he's definitely on the list. Well, he starts his season trailing nineteen to three in Atlanta in his first match of the year, the qualifier final to John Wayne Cortez. He comes back and takes a 24-20 lead. Then John Wayne ties him at 24, and then Leo wins at 26-24. Next tournament, Leo's down 24-17 to 25 to Iglesias, fights off six match points and wins that. Mondo Ortiz had him 14-10 in the third game in Tucson. He comes back and wins that 16-14. So he's the he's the comeback, comeback king and possible breakthrough. Double comeback. And I thought he was playing great ball in... Salt Lake City. Well, he almost beat you. Well, yeah, he was playing great, really well. Well, we watched a little bit of that match as we were simulcasting during the women's match. We would come over during timeouts and watch you guys. There was only, we we cut away six times. There was one time when Leo went for a ball and he caught himself on the ground with his hands, kind of like a push-up. Mm-hmm. That was the closest to it not being a dive between one of you two. Right. And every time we watched, it was either two or three dives in every rally. Well, so I he's a fighter. Kills in two hours and three games so that will explain my diving okay well it was it was pretty awesome well, I want to talk to Killian about our next nominee Fergal Coughlin Jr. now this has never happened before Fergal but what about Sean Kerr well Sean Kerr is should not be on, on the list. list if Fergal is on the list he, he should but Fergal you're right I agree he should be Fergal comes in 24th what seeded about in, the, in I mean, the qualifier he beats Max Langmack who is ranked 18th Stephen Cooney to qualify, who was ranked 17th. Then he loses to Killian. Then he beats Emmett Pichot the same night in the ninth place qualifier. So he's unranked, beats three ranked players on the same day. So what's the question? I'm saying, I mean, Killian, you know Fergal. How impressed were you with that performance? I think I was extremely impressed and taken back. You know, I haven't played Fergal since probably 2012 when I played him in like a local tournament in Cork. 
and uh, you know the, just the improvements, the leaps and bounds he's made. You know, I don't think he's actually added much to his game, but the amount he's polished on what he has, like his consistency, is definitely rolls. And just the unique style. I mean, he has like this half swing. Like he doesn't really swing fully for a ball, and you know it creates a lot of like um, deception in his game. You know, and especially the fact that he can kill the ball anywhere from the court, and he's got lovely uh, down the wall pass shots, and he's got like a very deceiving spin serve. You know, so I mean, the wind says it all in Salt Lake City. The stuff that he pulled off. You know, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I went to Salt Lake City. I was either playing Max Langmack or Stephen Cooney, and I wasn't playing Fergal Coughlin. The next thing you know, I'm playing Fergal Coughlin. So. That was an amazing breakthrough. And Dave, I agree with you. Sean Kerr. Siana, let's talk about Sean Kerr, who I think is a little bit younger than you, but I know that you know him yeah, I think pretty he's well. Two Wait, years younger than me? Why Siana? I mean, Killian is going to be Sean Kerr's future ex-brother-in-law. I mean, because okay. all marriages end in a divorce. So I'm just <laughs> assuming, you know, it, unless they get married in Ireland, then it'll be forever. But, you know, my point is. Sean Kerr qualifies for the first time in Montana defeats Ryan Bowler there. He goes to San Francisco and he makes a huge comeback against Lauren Collado on Lauren's home court. He's down 19-6 to and wins that match. Pretty amazing stuff. And then in Salt Lake City, he gets a walkover with Abraham's back injury. But I, I noticed a different level of play in Sean from Montana and San Francisco to Salt Lake City. He was playing much better ball. Maybe, Siana, you can speak to that. Is it more used to the tour, more used to the ball, just getting better, more confidence. What is that? Um, well, I actually refed his first game against Danos uh, in the quarterfinal, I think. Round of 16. Oh, yeah. yeah. Shout out to Niall O'Connor for not coming back to ref the game. But anyways, <laughs> and like Sean was really putting it up to Danos right. there. It's like he was up like 11-7 or right. something like that. And I guess Daniel's experience helped him push on. But I guess it's a mix of what you've said. And Killian can add to that, I'm sure. But like getting used to the tour, even getting used to being in the US. I know he went home for a while, but to come back, he knows more people, probably feels more comfortable in the court now with these players. So uh, I guess it's just an accumulation of gaining experience and becoming more confident in himself in there. I think that Niall O'Connor is the not-comeback player of the year. Well, I saw Niall play for the first time in New York in April against John Iglesias, and I thought, wow, this guy's got it. I've never even heard of him. And he looks like a top-eight pro. He lost that match badly, which surprised me, not because John's not a great player, but because Niall looks so good. Well, let's. Killian has more on this. Okay. okay I think we interrupted him. Right. I, maybe we didn't. I don't know, because Siana basically said, I think Killian could talk more about this. Is this about Sean or about Niall? It's really supposed to be about Sean, but then I want you to go into Niall as well. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, I've great sparring games and even competition games against Niall O'Connor. And, you know, ever since we were growing up, me, Martin, Niall, and uh, even Peter Funchen were all, like, in the same age bracket. And Niall was better than me and Martin when we were younger. So we always knew Niall was there. And, you know, he was definitely the most natural, gifted handballer, you know, and his uh, idol was Sean Lenning, so you can imagine the two of them want to be from the, like, they want to be exactly the same, you know, lazy but extremely gifted. Right. And that kind of sums up who Niall O'Connor is, you know, he's got all the talent in the world, but uh, he doesn't like to put in, you know, all the effort. But uh, ever since we've grown up, he's like that, extremely talented, can do anything with the ball, and that left hand is just a gun, and it goes from anywhere. Yeah, and I noticed that he got better. I mean, he was good in New York, but you can see that he was rusty. Then when he goes to Salt Lake, it's like, oh, well, this guy's got it. I can see what everyone's talking about. Well, Niall ended Shorty Ruiz's 14 straight qualifier final streak. And and he kind of kicked his ass. 
I mean, I yeah. don't want to be rude about it. It doesn't sound like you're being rude. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't like the sugarcoat. You know how okay. I am. I'm yeah, not sugarcoating this, but no. got his ass kicked. Shorty did. Well, Shorty was down 10-1 and just looked like he wasn't in the game at all, but he did come back and make it fairly competitive. That's what Shorty does. 19. Yeah, I mean, that's what he does. He's good at that. Now, Lucha, you've seen this list, and your vote carries a lot of weight here. Who is it on but, this list? Now, but isn't Peter Nia. Function on this list? Peter won the Next Gen Cup yeah. this year. But, but you can win multiple things. But the thing about Peter, he started the season ranked number 10. He ended the season ranked number 13. So he he won the Next Gen Cup, but he backed up. So he's like the Breaking Bad award of the year. Breaking Badly? I'm breaking the opposite way? I don't know. Yeah. I well, I mean, I think if you ask Peter, he'd be a little bit underwhelmed with his season. Okay. A couple losses to Marco Chavez. John Iglesias had a good season. I mean, he, he really did. put it forward this year. Yes. I know he was down about 20, 22 at the beginning of the season, made it all the way up to 10, maybe 9. That's he a pretty good breakthrough. three straight stops. Well, so. Had that knee injury. So. Now, this but, was before the knee injury. But. Yeah, he had two he had round a, of 16 wins. I'm just looking at the people he defeated this year. Yes. To include... Somebody sitting in this room right now. Yeah. I'm not talking about Luis Cordova's dad. Dad can actually beat Luis to John Iglesias. <laughs> but I do want Lucho's take on this. Yeah, I want to hear now, it Lucho too. Now, Lucho played Sean Kerr. He's not yet played Niall O'Connor. He's played Peter Function. He's played Danos. He's played Leo. He plays Leo locally. So, Lucho. Well, we know what Lucho's going to say. Okay. I'm with Lucho, by the way. You never, ever go against him, especially when he's sober. <laughs> I am assuming you're sober, right? No okay, comment. no comment. All right. Uh, I think for me, and I might be a little biased, but I think Leo is the biggest uh, breakthrough just because he came out of nowhere and he's he's been real consistent uh, throughout all the tours. I mean, all the stops. Um, he, he actually started playing in college. He used to play baseball when he was young. And his dad played, but he was never around. Like, I never remember him seeing him throughout the tournaments when I was younger. And he started playing in college. So, f to go from, I don't know how old is he? He's probably like 24, 23, 24. So, you know, he's been playing competitively for five, four, four years, five years. And he's already, you know, getting close to the top. So, I think he, he's, uh, I've said it before, I think he's, he'll be like, well, he'll be the next top eight in the, on the tour just because, uh, he has a lot of room to grow, you know. He has, he still has a lot of things he does wrong, and he's still playing well, you know. So if he can fix a lot of those issues, I think he's going to start getting a lot better. Well, the numbers don't lie, Lucho. Leo picked up ranking points in all eight stops in which he played this season. It's pretty hard to do. Coming out of the qualifier, he's at least making it to the main draw. In San Francisco, he took 17th, and that was that was a very difficult. 17th yeah, he draw. Lost to Patty he Function worked. there, and and, uh, and it was a good match. Mm -hmm. But I thought he could have, he he could have won. I mean, he, I haven't, I just got hooked back to El Paso, so I haven't played him that much. We probably played two or three times. But when I play him, I mean, I know it is a huge. I mean, he's a good, he's a good player, you know. What I noticed about him when he was first starting the tour and he was in college, he he had more of a defensive game, a lot of ceiling shots and passes. And I think he realized that wasn't going to work on the tour, so now he's playing a lot more aggressively, and that's... I noticed it. When well, he he's going to get really good if Luis and him are pounding the balls back and forth because yeah. he's going to learn that diving around all the time is is going to keep things going, yeah. but he's playing against a guy that's in really good shape, so he's going to have to have some offense as well. So I think he's going to develop. 
if he sticks with it. Yeah, I agree. Killing, what's your thoughts on that too? I know that you're, I'm jumping here, but uh, you have a game that you dive for the ball, but you also have all the other shots. You see a guy like Anthony Celesto before Leo Canales, and then Leo comes along, and he's just kind of all over the court, diving everywhere. But that really does, I mean, a guy like me, when I play someone like Leo, I, I don't do well because he keep, keeps the rally going. I'm the one out of breath, and he's the one doing all the work. But with him, what advice would you give Leo? Um, well, I mean, Leo is new to the game. You know, I'd say that definitely Leo needs to work on all the basics of handball. You know, put it this way, Leo is extremely good at putting all people into a terrible rally because he gets you into this like rally that doesn't like he doesn't give you any setups. It's like this messy rally where we're all just hitting the ball down the middle. You get no time to set up, and he's able to like be very competitive. But you know, when it comes to like really capitalizing on opportunities. You know, Leo isn't so successful, you know, so he's able to spar with you all the time. But, you know, at the end of, like the end of the day, nine times out of ten, you'd, ring, you'd win the long rally because you're able to put away that shot that you're, you're able to get. But, you know, throughout the year from the start, even like going back to the Tucson Memorial like that we have this weekend, or the Arm Games Memorial that we have this weekend, when he played last year, I think I played him last year, and to the improvement that he made in one full circle one year, it's just been mind-blowing. For fellows played in college and, you know, it was the opportunity you now to break into the top eight. That's that's kind of unheard of, and it would be unbelievable to see it, and I hope he does it next year. Yeah, that's cool. I actually feel that as well. Like, kind of seems like the type of guy that should be in the top ten. His final ranking is what? 12, 15? I mean, I know I can read myself, but I'm just too lazy to look. I want somebody to tell me. Number 15, Martin Mulkern's passed him with his ninth-place finish. So 15. 15. Seems like he'd be higher, though, with all... The success he had. It's, you know, stops, just the fact points. that he got points at all the stops is right. a big deal because, you know, we've said this so many times. I know it's a broken record, but, you know, your first goal when you go to the Pro Tour is just to qualify. And then after that, you want to you want to beat somebody in the, in, the, in the top 16. And if you don't, you want to win a playoff match and get a ranking and just want to improve yourself from one stop to the next. And then you have that goal of getting in the top eight. And if you lose, you want to place fifth. That's a big deal. Well, to Killian's point, I played Leo for the first time in the Armed Forces Tournament two years ago. And the improvement from then to now is astronomical. And if he makes the same kind of jump in the next two years, he'll be in the top five. Well, it's kind of similar least. to Luis and Daniel, maybe more so Daniel. Because we, I think it was funny how we used to always say that we thought that Daniel was going to be the next big thing and it took Daniel about four years to actually do it you know you can just see that there was that talent there and then all of a sudden once he did it it was like oh my god this guy's good you know I mean I think that's what you're going to see with with Leo but he has to put in the work I mean he still has work to do well I think he will he loves the game and that's it's fun to be around him because you can just see he's really enjoying himself now I, I I'm not dictating your your flow here but no. we asked the opinion of Luis he is totally biased by the way um, but you also said you were going with whatever he said yeah so, that that's so makes, the competition's over get the cup ready and edge well it. no no that's only two let's see what what Sienna has to say okay. about her thoughts on the list she's on the list does right. she even is she oh yeah you can vote for yourself oh yeah I don't I, see why you wouldn't you know Dave would vote for himself if he was on <laughs> any list I was about to ask can I vote for myself you absolutely can okay you have my vote okay so we've we've got now, if Luis would have voted for you, I would have also voted for you. Oh. Just so you know, I don't want this to be one of so those things where you and I have a you and I have a problem moving forward. This is all about Luis. Okay, Killy, 
Um, I think my vote's going to be a bit strange, but you know, I'm more to the point where I want to vote for Daniel or Louise because I think it's a lot harder to make so much improvement in one year when you're already in the top eight. You know, for a person like um, Leo, I want to see what he can do in another year. You know, I don't want to jump the gun and give him a, a prize now and him to fall off the face third next year. So I want to give it Killian's to Killian's the greatest. Yeah. I mean, when he Everything explains he it, says, he, you wonder why you ever talk. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I'm actually going to, I'm going to give him all of those, what is it, 30 people that are running for Democrat, you know, I'm going to give him all of their platforms mm-hmm. and then Donald, I'm just going to ask him what he thinks about that. Right. And then I'm just going with whatever right. he says. Yeah. So I, I'll vote uh, either Louise or Daniel, but I want to ask him who, who owns the head-to-head this year, and then I'll go with that. Oh, this is nasty. This year? Every tournament, not just the race parade. Oh, probably me. Oh, definitely <laughs> Lucho. I'll go with Louise then for the vote. Wow, that's tough. Lucho, you've got him two I'm times in a row. Des Moines and Juarez, right? Yes, I did. And this isn't about me at all. Totally not about no, me. You know, how, you know how I, I am, do. right? I but do. now it, it makes it really tough for me because... You know, I can't go against Luis, and right. I almost want to jump ship and go with what Killy said. But I, I, I think that's a mistake. I think Daniel had more of the breakthrough this year because we expect it from Luis now. <laughs> you know, he made the finals of the Players Championship, 2017. Right. Mm-hmm. We just expect it from him. Yeah. I don't think anybody expected Daniel to win two stops this year. I can tell you that right now. Well, I don't know. I can remember playing Daniel in 2017 and thinking to myself, "This is a future number one." Yeah, but that's what I said earlier. We've been saying it forever, and it just hasn't happened. Now it's happened. I think that you almost have to just give it to Daniel. Okay, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going with whatever Luis says. I find it hard to go against Sienna, though. She started the season unranked and finished number two. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, what is your vote? What is your vote? How can you argue with that? So what's your vote? you said that I agree with. (laughs) I wouldn't say only. But then Sienna also has been to the finals before, and she was off for an injury. So is that a breakthrough or a comeback? I already said earlier, I thought it was a comeback. Breakthrough with the new knee. That's true. New knee. New knee, new me. I'm going with Leo because I think he's got the most upside. I think he's going from, you know, he'll be number 15 right now. And I think next season you're going to see him jump probably maybe Nine in the top twelve. Eight. Yeah, but Nine if he doesn't, top. you're kicked off the show and we bring <laughs> Killian in and it's his show. Okay, so the official votes are you're taking Leo. Yeah. You're also taking Leo. I have to because I do whatever you do. Yes. <laughs> Although I love the way Killy explained all of this. Yeah. Sienna takes herself. I mean, why Why not? Does Lucho Sr. get a vote even though he doesn't have a microphone? Yeah, uh, Yeah. I think he's in the room, right? Yeah. What, what does Sr. want on this? Yeah, he knows. <laughs> he wants what? Breakthrough. Who's the breakthrough? Breakthrough. I think Leo. Leo. Oof, yeah, that's it. That's tough. Sorry, Killy. I, uh, I, I do like the way you explained all that, though. Okay. <laughs> so second place is uh, is Luis Cordova. Well, if Lucho would have campaigned for himself, the team, Lucho and Dennis, I don't think he knew that. that he can vote for himself, but he's also a guy that says, you know, I said it, that's it. I'm living with it. He's okay. not going to go back. Yeah. He's not I'm a recanter. Killian did almost right convince me, but... <laughs> it sounded great. <laughs> it sounded great. You know when they say that you can't, you know, an, like a good salesman could sell... Ice cubes to an Eskimo, or I don't know what the phrase is. Yeah. That's what Killian could do. Yes. Conman. So if you ever thought for a moment, you're like, what could Killian ever do in his life if it wasn't for handball? Well, this, <laughs> Anything. I know that you've thought this. I mean, everyone's, yeah. everyone's probably thought it, right? No, he can do anything he wants yes. with an explanation like that. So the official winner is Leo Canales, and what does he win? I don't know. 
Well, we'll have to get him something. Oh my gosh, this sounds like it was really well played yeah, out. A belt. <laughs> knee, let's let's knee talk pads. about the. Let's year get him knee pads. There you go. That's a good. One. I mean, that is. I mean, he's sliding all over the. Maybe yeah. it could be sponsored by Swift, Swift or Sweet or Sweep or. Knee pads are a life changer. Clorox. I don't know because he is like mopping up the floor. <laughs> if we put knee pads with those little the little mop, you know. Octopus fingers on it, you know, he can just dive and clean the floors. Or you can get him a chicken wing for his left. <laughs> From like Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah. That would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Is this falling apart, Dave? Are you just like, no, I don't know. No, here's your award and here's why you're so terrible yeah. at the same time. <laughs> this is why you're ranked 15. Here's your chicken wing. <laughs> Great job on your award and your left is horrible, so I'm going to honor you with it. I think his left's good. I've seen him kill the I ball. I think it's fine. He took you to a breaker. Took you to a breaker. Should have won, actually. Let's go to segment number six, which is the year-end rankings. Make that transition. Well, we didn't see that big of a shakeup. Every year, I think we think, well, we're going to be welcoming new guys into the top eight. Peter Function's out there. You know, this season, we're talking about Leo Canales. Mark Mulkerns is always floating out there if he can make tournaments. But really, we didn't see much change in the top eight with the exception of Mondo Ortiz sliding from number three out and Marco Chavez jumping in. Otherwise, everyone who started the season in the top eight remained in the top eight in slightly different orders, except for Killian, of course, who started number one and finished number one. Sean Lenning started number two and finished number two. After that, we we saw the shakeup. We saw the Flying Cordovas move into the top four. I stayed at number five. I was started at number five and stayed there. Vic Perez up from number six to number, or up from number eight to number six. Emmett slides from number six to number eight, and then Marcos at forty-five years old. Of course, you have to announce that with his name at number seven. I, but even though you said that, I will still call him forty-four, and then right. I'll get a text from his wife. Don't ask me why I have her phone number and her, and, and then he'll be upset later. Not because of the wife thing, but because I keep saying that he's forty-four. He's forty-five. Now, now wait, there's something that's weird about these rankings, and I, I should have put them up on the big uh-huh. screen here. But the, there is a clear top top tier. Right now, when you look at the rankings, there's a huge drop-off after number four, but it's a solid area at number five where you occupy, and then the people or the players after that seem to drop off behind you. So right up at, at the very top, you have Killy and Sean and then uh, Daniel and Luis, and then it drops off in number-wise by you know pretty sizable amount. In fact, if you would have won, Dave... Salt Lake City, you wouldn't probably even have jumped into that top four no. spot. So that that tells you those guys are really consistent up there. It was an exciting season because of it, I felt, because having Killy win, what is it, three stops? Mm-hmm. It took that third stop, and I think Killy was probably going to win it anyway, but it took that third stop, and he's the only one that won three this season with Luis winning two and Daniel winning two and Sean winning one, just one. It, let's say if Sean would have won Salt Lake City, would there have been a change at the top? Uh, Luis would know probably better, but I don't think so. I think Killian secured Killian it. Killian had it secured, yeah. With even a quarterfinal finish, I would think, for Killian, right? Would have finished number one? I think. If Sean won, I'd have to get to a final. Oh, really? Because, see, he's losing points from last year. No, those points didn't count, though, because they were dropped before Salt Lake City. But I would only gain three points. Okay. Yeah, it would have been yeah. a draw. It would have been a draw. Oh, I see. Well, uh, one name that hasn't come up, shockingly, is Paul Brady, who I thought was going to go to the finals. I mean, I saw he was on the bottom bracket. He Should played, he be on the breakthrough? He's artist of the year award. I mean, he was non-ranked, made it could have made it up in top 6 or 7. Well, Paul Brady looked like the stage was set to knock Emmett out of the top 8. 
all he had to do was make the final. He had the win from New York, and a finals appearance would have got him that bonus money into the top eight, and yet he lost to Sean Lennon. That was an amazing match, too. But so, so we don't know how much Paul is going to play next year, but he's got some good points coming in where one more good result, say he went to Atlanta or Tucson, is going to put him in the top eight. Right. What were your thoughts on that, Luis, seeing Paul entered? What does that make you feel when you see that? Because oh, I know me. Dave Fink went through like, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to play him. I'm gonna and play I him. did. Right. I mean, that's... Yeah. And you lost. Yeah. You know. I did, yeah. But when you see that, it's uh, it's cool for the game, right? Like, you you, you kind of want to play him because you want to be that guy to yeah. beat him like Sean did. Yeah. I mean, everybody, I think, gets pretty excited when he get, joins the tournament, you know? And except for Dave, he's not right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's not excited. But I don't know. As a fan, you're excited. As a player, I mean... You know, you always want to win, so I don't know. Um, I actually wanted to play him. At first, it looked like Danny was going to play him if Shorty was didn't get upset by Niall. Um, and uh, I was telling Daniel, man, I wish I played him, you know, because I really wanted to play him, but you know, I'll get a chance to play him some, some other time. You tournament. know, we won't get into the math on this, but there were about four or five different scenarios, yeah. and probably even more than that, when it came down to who was actually going to play, not just Paul Brady, but the other players that were qualifying in. It, it took Shorty losing. Uh, Abraham. Abraham losing. Yeah, I mean. Cooney losing. Cooney, that was a big one. I right. think he was, everyone anticipated that. So Paul went from possibly playing Vic Perez. You, Vic Perez, and then migrated over to, it could have been one of the Cordovas, and then it went to, uh, who did he finally, it wasn't you, it was Marco, Marcos right. had to play. So, and Marcos was completely upset about it. I know that Sean Lenning wasn't happy, thinking that it could have possibly been him as well, or he just wasn't happy. Anyway, <laughs> I but you know there there's like a lot of rumblings of people being upset about this, but really it's almost like a blind draw with what happened in Salt Lake City. There was a moment there where it's like, well, this guy loses, he loses. You know, Marcos was upset, and I said to him instead of being upset back here, like going through the rankings and talking to Luis or, right. or Nick Flores, people that overlooked the rankings. Why don't you actually get up and root for that guy right there? Mm. Because if he loses, right, then then you know then you are going to play Paul. But if they if he wins, then you are not going to have to play Paul. And he had two chances of rooting, right. and all he did was sulk. Yeah, I mean, no cheerleading. I said, you better start coaching, dude. You better get on the glass, start pounding some glass. Yeah, because. What and then you're he doing did. is not helping. He actually anyone. jumped up immediately and went out there and started <laughs> doing his thing. But Killy, you know, it, it's kind of interesting about Paul Brady entering these tournaments. And it's there's a strange thing that happens where there's a lot of fans that believe, or at least the ones that are like close to the game, that believe that these matches are thrown in the sense that that a guy is kind of setting himself up for the bigger tournament, which is coming up in in June. Does that sort of thing even exist? You know where. It's it's ridiculous for me to even say it, I know. But I heard so many people in Salt Lake saying, well, the reason why Paul lost is because he's just letting people know that he's susceptible because he's then going to go in June, he's going to go out there like a rampage and just kill everybody. Does that sort of thing work in the Pro Tour? I don't even know. Has anyone ever even tried that? Because well, it seems ridiculous. I don't want to interrupt Killian, but as a fan, all I want to see is Killian versus Paul. Right. That's I just want to see that. I don't want to see me versus Paul every tournament, which always happens. I want to see the two giants. And we had a chance in New York, and it didn't happen. And then another one in Salt Lake City, and it didn't happen. So I was frustrated as a fan because I didn't get to see the match 
that I really would love to watch. Well, I mean, personally, I think it works the opposite way around. You know, I think the last thing Paul wants to do is lose because, you know, the, the thing that's been on Paul's side for most of his career is that he's, you know, impermeable. You know, no, like just you can't break him or you can't get through him. And just to lose, you know, shows to everyone in the top eight or anyone who's going to go to the Nationals, you know, that Paul is very susceptible with um, his aging career, you know, his lack of, um, not training, we'll say, but lack of tournament, you know, play. You know, so I, I think the fans are just looking for gossip. You know, they're looking looking to spread something or maybe looking for an excuse to know, still know that Paul is the greatest. You know, so I just think that it does not work in his favor. I don't think he went out to do that. You know, I think that he just came to Salt Lake City for training. I don't think he has any interest in playing the Pro Tour anymore, but I think that the only thing on his mind is this record, and he'll, he's going to do more than he did before to try and get that record, and that's play more tournaments before the, the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Killing, let me ask you, you were in New York. You watched Paul play, I, I think. Did you notice a difference in his play in New York compared to Salt Lake City? Um, you know, his first match against you, I mean, I have to compliment you. He played really well, and uh, Paul made errors, and you capitalized on every single one of them. But as the tournament went on, you know, it seemed like that Paul was like his old self, dominating from the, the get-go. You know, he, Daniel, inexperienced playing Paul, you know, when you're inexperienced playing Paul, it's a huge disadvantage. So, um, you know, he just thrashed through the whole tournament. Robbie had a good first game. But in Salt Lake City, I did notice it. But, I mean, Sean Lenning did what Paul Brady does to everybody. You know, he gets ahead of you. You don't get a chance to catch up. And that's it. You just walk out of the court and say, what happened? Well, Paul will never make excuses, but he has struggled on that court. And I know you said it's tough on that glass sidewall court. He's only won in Salt Lake City one out of three times he's played there. He lost to Mondo Ortiz there. He lost to Sean Ling. And in fact, he had that forfeit against Mike Schneider. So if you count that, only one out of four. And this is a guy that only has four losses out of 65 matches in his race career. So something maybe, Dave, with the court. Does that have anything to do with it? That, that, that kind of leads into my question. It seems like Paul is less concerned about Salt Lake City and more concerned about getting back into the rhythm of of what it takes to do what he needs to do at the Nationals, which is always a month later. And to me, it seems like Paul is, is smart enough to know that I want to come in here and experience, when I take a timeout, a fan telling me how great I'm playing even though I'm not playing great. I want to be annoyed by that. I want to be annoyed by the camera people's cords in my way. Uh, somebody not opening the door for me. I want to see the antics of Dave Fink. I want to feel all of this stuff. I want to hear the crowd cheering for the other guy or, you know, I think all of this stuff is what he's putting into his computer because he needs to now know how to block it out at the next stop. So I think that's part of it. I think the elevation is part of it. Uh, you know, you have to be adm- very impressed with Killian winning these because Boston and even Ireland, you just you're right at sea level, you know, slightly above it. But you're up at over four thousand three hundred, four thousand five hundred feet, and that's a big difference. And I think for someone like Paul, he would do much better if he would go there a month earlier and train. I don't think you'd see the same result that we saw last weekend. I just don't think he's taking it as serious. Paul knows how to peak at the right time, and he's always seemed to be able to do that sort of thing. Well, but I don't know. He wins pretty much every tournament he plays, whether it's Houston or the Nationals. or it, I mean, he just peaks for every tournament. If you look at I, I his record, know. he's got the same winning percentage in race stops as he does Nationals. But he doesn't peak at Salt Lake City is what I'm saying. He doesn't peak at that tournament. And I, I think the reason why is because it's a very important tournament to him, but it's not 
it's not the most important tournament to him. Well, it's the most important tournament to Katrina Casey, who just won her sixth in a row. Which is also remarkable. She's been the only player in women's race parade history ranked number one. She took over that ranking by winning the first ever women's stop in 2013 at the U.S. Open. She's never relinquished it. She's won 18 out of 20 tournaments in women's race parade history. She's the only player to play in all of them. The only people that have ever beat her, Ashling Riley and Martina McMahon, both in tiebreakers. Sianna, I mean, Katrina Casey, who's going to stop her for number seven? Can I vote for myself Yes, again? No, no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, can't do it. Um, well, obviously, I want to like hope that I can push on from this season. And like, um, like I said, I pushed Katrina twice this season, but I said it earlier... Uh, you kind of get sick of like everyone saying oh you gave her a good game that's really good you know when in your head you're thinking you can go in and win those things that can be like kind of annoying in a way after those games so I want to push on and like Fiona was down on that list for breakthrough start of the season as well I actually think Fiona kind of underperformed when she came out here I've seen her play much better at home so she'll gain a lot of experience too and keep pushing on and then hopefully Martina will keep coming out to these tournaments and you never know, we might have a new breakthrough star on the women's race rate next year coming from Ireland as well or from the US, it doesn't really matter but like, hopefully someone can stop that number seven. Yeah, that's true. It could be you. Thank you. How do you go in there and train for somebody that's going to hit ceiling shots and put you deep in the back left corner or the back right corner how do you get training on that? Because it is something that you you have to experience to to combat. I mean, you have a good ceiling game, and but do you have a great game where you're 38 feet constantly in the back court? I mean, that's the thing that you have to adjust to. Who who's going to get you that type of training, or where, where is that going to come from for you? Because I think that's the only thing that you would be lacking is just being uncomfortable in that backcourt. Why wouldn't you? I, I mean, I think everybody's uncomfortable deep on the back wall, and that's where Katrina is going to put you. Yeah, like Katrina will kind of keep playing with you until she gets that shot. She has that experience. She'll wait for the perfect opportunity to kill it. Whereas sometimes I know it myself, I'll like try and force a kill from somewhere it's not ideal. Um, And that's one thing, I guess it's different. I play with a lot of guys in Minnesota at the moment and they're kind of more offensive. So not as much ceiling game. So I guess just when I'm home during the summer now, I have a month to train for the nationals to try and play like a wide range of people to try and work on that uh, deep defensive game a bit more over the next month. Is conditioning play, does that play a huge factor for you when you go up against Katrina? I mean, do you have to be in the best shape of your life or do you think you just have to be uh, focused when it comes to your shots? Um, Well, it definitely plays into it. I think preparation like builds your confidence going in against anyone. So the more like training I've done and the fitter I feel going in, then I'll feel like, yeah, you know, I'm in a good place now to push on. And if I do get to that stage where, like I've said, I'm pushing someone, I can believe that I've done the training, I'm well conditioned and I can push on. Say if I need to play in a tiebreaker, you obviously need to be very fit in those situations. And Katrina's obviously in super shape. So like you do need to have some conditioning going in against her anyways. Killy, you guys grew up, you and Killy and Katrina grew up in the same area from the same county and I'm sure you've played or seen each other work out many times is there somebody that that may have overlapped with you a trainer somebody that you looked up to like a Tony Healy or you know someone that has helped mold both of your guys's games um no but as you say being from Cork I mean it was just an obvious Tony Healy you know 
Like he was just a guy that was willing to give back to the sport and me and Katrina looked up to, to him and you know what he did. So I mean Tony's actually from Katrina's club, not my club. So, you know, I think Katrina idolized Tony more than I did and that's hard to do, so but that's the common denominator. I, I see a lot of Tony in Katrina's game in the sense that she will go to the roof and and push push you back and then capitalize on a miss hit or an overhit. I also see a lot of Tony's game in your game too, especially when it goes to that ground and pound when I felt like Tony with Dave was one of the best get artists I've ever seen. And Killy is now have, has taken that over. And I know that's only one aspect, but Tony had a great back wall game just like Killian does and also is left very similar. The games are different. They play different styles of games. But I think Tony, having him around, definitely helped kind of mold the area. Because we see that here in, in Tucson. It was Sean Lenning was hanging out here, and you saw Luis Moreno kind of doing that Sean Lenning thing. And then you saw a lot of these younger guys looking up to Moreno, and they started trying to do that. Luis Moreno thing, so it becomes sort of transitive in in how you learn. I don't know where I'm going with that <laughs> necessarily, but I think that even though you might not, you know, looked up to him that in that, I know you looked up to him, but you didn't uh, pattern your game behind him. I tried to. Yeah, okay, I tried to. It's it seems like it just kind of happens because, you know, I mean, what a better guy to actually pattern your game after someone like uh, someone like that, you know, making that bigger, longer transition. That's what all the guys in El Paso are doing. Right. And they've been not just El Paso, but Juarez. Mm-hmm. Luis is a legend in this area, and everybody wants to be Luis. And I think a guy like Leo Canales, he could look at you and say, oh, yeah, he saw you dive for the ball, and we call you one of the, one half of the Cordova, Flying Cordova brothers. And so he's diving, too. Not saying that he does it on purpose because of you, but, you know, there's an inspiration there. And I'm sure that you're seeing it from some of these guys that have just gotten better, like a, like a Drift Fernandez. For example, yeah, I think some of the guys back home. I think uh, my style is kind of strange, you know. I think they try to copy more Daniel's style. His is more like aesthetically pleasing. That's mm, a big word. Impressive. That was my homework to use it, and I oh, just did. Good. So check that one. Check that one out. I'm gonna have to give you five bucks because we had this thing that if you said yeah, yeah aesthetically did. pleasing before or you know during the actual yeah. podcast, he gets he gets the cash. Five so bucks. yeah, five bucks. So yeah, Daniel's style is a. Uh, you know, his left, everything's kind of like everything's smooth and stuff. So I think all, a lot of the younger kids back home kind of look up to his style, you know. Um, they might look up to his style, but they look up to you. I mean, you're really the guy. Is it because you're older or you were the first one to break through and get into the top eight? I don't know. It seems like a lot of the older guys look up to me more. And a lot of the younger kids look up to Daniel more, you know. We're both, a lot of the young kids weren't, I left for six or seven years, so. You know, when they started playing, I wasn't really around. We were just the two brothers that were, you know, the two pro brothers that would come around during the holidays and stuff. So they didn't really grow up with me. So to them, me and Daniel are kind of, you know, the same. The older guys, I think they definitely look up, look more up to me than, than the, you know, the young kids. But the young kids are the ones that are developing their style. So I see a lot of them really, you know, like long swings, uh, stuff like that, which is good to see. Lucha, I can remember in Denver in 2013, it was the first time I noticed it, but you had a gathering, a pack of at least 20 people behind you, trailing you. You were always about five feet in front, and I've seen it at almost every tournament since. I mean, that's your fan base, and it's not the same 20 people every time. It's different, and it's also you picked up fans in Florida, in Atlanta, in Juarez, and I think even in places you haven't lived. So you've got that 
What is that an X factor, Dave? Yeah. It factor? Yeah. No, he's a he's a star on the tour. Right. Yeah, especially because y- you have a lot of fans out there. You you might not they might not tell you. They tell us. No, I mean know. I think part of it is being from Mexico. You know, every Mexican that that plays handball is you know they they really uh, they're our fans. My brother and I, and uh, I don't know. My style is kind of like you know grinding and diving and doing stuff like that. I don't, it's not like super you know perfect swing and stuff. So people like to see you know close matches. They like to see somebody like you know like like, like boxers in mexico you know they, they never give up they're always right they never fall they never this and that i think, the, that's I think the like typical handball style. player can relate to you they can say well i have a left that looks horrible <laughs> yeah. um i die for every ball <laughs> oh i never you kill know. it look yeah look he's he doesn't kill there. the ball but he's still out there grinding it how's he doing it yep i think that so, might be it so they, they they relate to you yes dave i relate to Hey, I'm agreeing with Luis on all I've that. I've seen the trend. You know how it's going. Let's look at the senior tour really quick when it comes to the rankings and then move on to segment number eight. But, Dave, you started at number one. You finished at number one, so you don't get that Horizon Award or any Breakthrough Artist Award. Okay. So, sorry about that. No comeback <laughs> player. It's just that you're that player. Right. Okay, so just like Killy, you're that player. In the season, number one, after you started at number one, you won all three titles. Marco Chavez started at number two, ended at number two. He, like you, same thing, finalist in all three. And then George Garcia finished at number three. Two semifinals, one fifth place. Okay, time for segment number eight. Seven. Just seven, okay. I told you to correct me if I was wrong, and you did. That's good. No, did you want to continue to talk about the senior rankings? I don't. No. But I do want to talk about the top moments from this season. Okay, I know that segment number all seven, of our guests have been prepped. This is probably going to be my favorite segment, if it turns out the way I'm hoping it will. But let's start with Killian. Killian obviously has probably more top moments than anyone. He plays the most matches and wins the most. Well, without looking at anything that was written down on paper, that mm-hmm. turning left-handed was the, the defining moment of the whole season. Okay. I mean, by far. Although there could have been something else on the radar, but well, that was not. Yeah, let's... That's what I have. Um, you know, my favorite moment um, at the tour this year was San Francisco, the semifinal. Uh, it was, you know, it was like um, when I was playing the match, I was just had like a sense of euphoria, you know, that like I was enjoying myself so much. You know, I remember just, I remember being down by a small bit and Louise was playing extremely well. No matter how well I played, you know, I couldn't get an easy point. And I remember just grinding for every single point. And, you know, I, I played really well. And everybody hates playing bad, but you don't mind losing when you're playing extremely well because you enjoy yourself, you know. It's enjoyable. So I just remember it was probably my favorite match ever to play on the Pro Tour this year so far. It was, it, you know, it's obviously better that you won, but this I'm just talking about during the match. You know, it, like it just felt like this is this is handball to me and this is how I want to play it and, you know, this, this is how I'd like to play every single game. It's just that enjoyable. So that match was uh, the most enjoyable moment and the highlight of my... Um, uh, I think it was a fan favorite match as well. I can't uh, remember a better match to watch. And, and this this is the reason why we had to lock up all the guns and get rid of the knives because we knew that Luis was also going to be in this in this office here. So you don't think that'll be Lucho's top I, moment also? If it is, I'd be really, really surprised. Okay. Well, Sianna's up next. Okay. With her top moment. I agree with Killy. That was actually amazing. But I have to agree with whatever Louise says, so I have to hold off. <laughs> you know how the how it works here. 
Um, I think for me, my top moment was probably playing Katrina in the final in Tucson. Uh, went to overtime in the second game, I think. Um, and like obviously disappointing to lose, but I had played her in the Worlds in August, which had been my first tournament back. And I remember in the second game, I lost like 21-5 or something and just thinking like, God, I want to be out of this court. It was going so badly. But then like to play well in Tucson, I was kind of like, okay, I'm actually still able to be up there at the top. So that was like a big moment for me, even though I lost in the end. I was frustrated initially, but then in hindsight, I was like, you know, I'm going in the right direction. I've improved a lot since the Worlds. And I was excited because there was still so many things I can improve on. And there still is so many things I can improve on. So rather than thinking of like, oh, I've lost all these big games, I can be excited about the progress that I can still make, so. And you have to be happy with the fact that you took some really gutsy shots against her to get to that overtime. That was the part that I felt where it was like, okay, she's arrived. Because, you know, there's something to say about those people that are, that are at that level where you kind of play defensive, kind of play offensive. You actually went for shots and you made them. Now you made a horrible hand error, but you were still going for the shot. That's just an error. You yeah, went for I the shot. You can drive home or fly home knowing that you actually went for the right shot, which is, I think, the biggest thing, at least for me as a fan. Yeah, I remember I made like two or three handers towards the end. But, you know, I want to keep playing my best throughout the game and not switch my game just because it's getting close at the end. Um, I just want to keep going for those shots and didn't really work out for me at the time, but um, hopefully I can just keep developing on that. It's good stuff. Lucha's up next, so uh -huh. now you're ready to find out what your favorite moment was. Uh, you're right. That's how it works. <laughs> I can't wait to find out. I can tell you it wasn't what happened in San Francisco <laughs> <laughs> or what happened in Salt Lake City. Uh, mine was probably Atlanta, you know. Um, stop number one. Stop number one. Um, I mean, it was my first win. Uh, it was the first time beating Killian. It was the first. It was. It was my home court. It was a. It was a lot of good, you know, good things in that one tournament. Uh, same thing as like, uh, like Killian said, kind of, you know. But this time, I'm the one that ended up on the right side, so I had to swap. <laughs> yeah. No, right. but really, uh, Killian kind of brings it brings the best out of me. You know, I know that. Right now, it, uh, Killian was talking about uh, Leo Canales, how, how his style is. Uh, he puts you in uncomfortable places, and he, but he can't put it away. Well, I feel like at a, maybe a different level, I'm the same way. You know, I can't. I make people, I put people in uncomfortable places and I move them around a lot, but I can't put it away. You know, especially with somebody like Killian, where I put it away and normally I score with somebody, but Killian gets him all back. So. He's all over. He's getting some crazy shots that I'm like, how the heck is he getting them? But still, I can't put it, you know, I can't score on him. And uh, so I've had some moments where he's the one that made me notice, you know what, to, for me to step to go to the next level, I need to be able to put my shots away. And in Atlanta, I feel like that happened in the second half of that, of the, of our second game. He was up and I just said you know what i gotta shoot it and i started shooting it. and every i mean every single shot started going in every one of them started roll out roll out kill kill and he he, he was diving and he wasn't getting them back you know and uh, i won that game and then same thing happened in uh like the game he was talking about in san francisco i came in knowing that i came in you know you have to shoot it you have to be aggressive against him or you're not gonna win and i came out like that and i started playing great like probably the best handball i've ever played it was it was good and uh but, you know, I start getting tense and I go back to my old self and I go back to same thing, you know, 
ground and pound, hit it hard and pass and get everything back, but not putting it away. So I get, I went back to that and he started playing his like great, you know. And then I couldn't score, and then it, it just, uh, I don't know. I feel like Atlanta was was uh, where I learned like, man, this is this is how I have to play. This is how my hit game has to be. This is like, you know, I, I'm kind of with with Killian's games. I'm kind of learning what I need to do to get to the, the next level. You ever think about like just taking a like a fish tank and pouring it into his bag? <laughs> just something that's just gonna really ruin his day. Like, have you gone to that level? Because that's I, I would have been at that maybe a couple of years ago. I have thought about it. I I, I I agree with you on that Atlanta thing. That was that had to have been a special moment. You playing your brother too was big. You played Killy in the previous round, then you go into your brother. So that was a kind of an interesting dynamic. And I watched that match back again and felt. He could have easily have won that. I mean, he he looked like he was better than you for a portion. Then you looked like you're better than him. Then he looked like he was better than you. It was yeah. like, it was not like there was a lot of these swings, but it just seemed like momentum changed so much. Yeah, our games are always like that. Uh, even it's weird. Even when we play practice games back in Atlanta, every we're always betting five dollars a game. Every single time we go to a tiebreaker, every nobody's ever won ten dollars. You know, every time right. it's one one, and then somebody takes five. Every single, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's got to be mental or something because there's no way that we're the exact same every single, I mean, we played, I don't know, a hundred times and every single time it's a tiebreaker, you know? But that's, the rankings are indicative of that. I mean, you look at it and you go, wow, I mean, look at these rankings. You guys separated by a half point. I mean, I don't know what the finals were, but it's been this way for three years. We would say, oh, Luis took fourth, Danny took fifth. Luis took third, Danny took fourth. Danny took seventh, Luis took sixth. It's yeah. always like that. And right. that tournament was Luis takes first, Danny takes second. Mm-hmm. It's strange. I mean, that's why the rankings are always have those guys close. I think one year you even tied. But it's it's crazy how close you guys are, but you have a different style of game, too. Dave, what was your moment? Well, I've got a long list. I don't know how much time. We have, don't have any time. So your list is, let's so. just skip you and go right to Luis's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he has a great moment. Luis Sr.? <laughs> Dad, what's your what's your moment? What's your moment, Dad? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when they play the finals in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yeah. Okay. Two kids playing the finals, yeah. I mean, you can't get any better than that. I actually was thinking that the best moment for you is when they got off your payroll. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that would have been like now this. Now I like that handball. Those handball people—they're doing good work. They got the kids off the payroll, and now I can go and have a vacation in Cancun. That's what I was thinking anyway. I mean, you know, you know, I'm looking at things differently. Dave, what is yours? <laughs> well, I'm going to focus on the off-the-court stuff. I mean, the Thursday field trips to me were a great highlight. So much fun. Bourbon Street, Alcatraz, where we played doubles. I think it was the first official match on those courts since 1953, 1956, whenever the, the place was closed. That was so much fun. Park City, Sian, I know you were a part of that. We had a good time up there. Great lunch with Lon, but... The Salt Lake City Saturday night party was incredible. Watching Killian um, playing three wall and Lucho out there, and Sean and the Irish guys. I mean, Martin was playing. That was so, really so you cool have to, to pick watch. One. You, you're just recapping. No, I'm, I'm I want to know what. Just... No, tell me what your best. Mo- you're trying to say that your best moment is all of these moments. All right, my best moment. My favorite was... Killian moment was Milwaukee. I mean, Minnesota. Uh, it starts with an M. It's a yeah. Montana. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But then also San Francisco. And also Salt Lake City. <laughs> but we'll just call my favorite moment is just Killian when he's playing. How about I'm gonna that? I'm going to say 
Sunday afternoon in the cigar room at the NYC watching the Masters with John Duggan. So it has nothing to do with handball. Right? <laughs> well, it was. It's, it's a golf. This is a golf moment. Killian, Paul Brady, Peter Function, okay. Stephen Cooney, Danos Cordova joined us for lunch. It was so much. It was great. I loved it. I figured you for a guy that your favorite moment was when you looked at the final rankings. Mm. You know, all the sweat has been washed away. You're there by yourself. I don't know. What and you just ponder down at that email. Yeah. Just take a quick look at that number one on the senior. Mm-hmm. And that's your best moment right there. Crack open up. Seltzer water. What do you drink? I don't. I know it's nothing with alcohol. So just it's boring water. 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 No carbonation. With a little bit of a squirt of lemon in there. No. no. Would you like a straw with that? <laughs> Okay, what else? I know you have a big list. No, you're not Go interested in my list. Go through your stupid list. This no, is like I, you're cheating on this question here. I was uh, prepared for this. Hey, I want to interrupt really quick because I, I know that I really don't want to hear your list. But I but also, I want to hear your moment, though. No, I said it kind of earlier, but I said okay. it too soon. You know, There was a cool moment for me. It was um, Montana. You know, I always do the finals, usually play-by-play. Play. So you did that with Nick Flores. And I went down with the camera, and I got to sit courtside. Don't get to do that very often, mm. especially during the men's finals. It was absolutely thrilling for me. I, I can see why the fans love this because I don't, you know, I see it through a right. TV monitor. Watching you and Sean Lenning play in Montana, I, I know that you know he came down and lost that, but it went to a tiebreaker. Like it seems like it always does with you guys, and it was absolutely thrilling. I mean, you guys were really playing your asses off. I mean. Sean looked like he was going to have a heart attack. Killy and Sean are both diving everywhere. There was a nice little comeback. Sean, you know, gets the... I might have won the first game on that one, now that I'm thinking about it. You force a tiebreaker, and there was this huge anticipation that this could be sort of a... kind of a replay of what we saw in Las Vegas from the previous season. Just being down on the floor and watching the players come out and having it that packed, and that crowd in Montana is just amazing. The people are just so into handball there. And you can feel it when you're outside the court. It was just thrilling for me. I mean, absolutely thrilling. Now, I could have got that same feeling if I would have been down on the floor yeah. during the finals uh, of, of the men's in Salt Lake City or it, even Salt Lake, uh, San Francisco. But it was just great Montana. It's a totally different experience to watch these matches courtside as opposed to when we're announcing on the screen because you can feel the power and the intensity. That's why I was had the court across the hallway in Salt Lake City with people tripping on so I could watch these matches while I was announcing. Never do that again. Right up the to the glass. Don't do it again. Because you, you missed all the cues on the TV when they're going to replay. You're hmm. talking about something. And you, but what about you how much graphics. enjoyment I got out of watching it live? <laughs> well, no, that's that's good for you. That has to count for something. I, I felt like I could really relay what I, I was seeing well, more Well, I so. feel really bad for Louis Sr., our only viewer, who yeah. had to hear you stepping all over an instant replay. But <laughs> nonetheless, weren't following the graphics. But, you know, hmm. yeah. Yeah. But you, you did clarify exactly what I was saying. On the floor, just yes. feels better. Amazing. I mean, it's it, the energy was, like, amazing. really was. So, Killian, thank you for giving me that moment. All, all three of my moments are have something to do with Killian. <laughs> Two of them involve Luis being on the court. I was told that if I didn't bring up Luis's name right there, I was going to be in trouble. <laughs> so what else do we have? Anything? Danny Bell, I mean, this is off, oh, is off that- course here, but Danny Bell at 57 takes his 12th Canadian National Championship. I can't believe it. When I read that news, I couldn't believe it. But how surprised could we be? In San Francisco, 
Danny defeats Lauren Collado, Ivan Burgos, and he comes up just short of winning that 17th place playoff after he almost qualified, almost beat Adam Bernhardt. Yeah. So uh, it seems like at 57, this is just, uh, this can't happen, right? It shouldn't. And he's actually turning 58 in October. So, I mean, I know that's like, what, four months away or so, but that's yeah, still I a big just, deal. I can't believe it. It, can't, it should not happen. But Danny's always been really good. Underhand, dump, paddle, returns. Luis, when was your first experience playing Daniel? Danny Bell. Bell. I've yeah. never, actually never played him. Wow. Um, How about you, Kelly? Well, I could tell you. It was uh, <laughs> Montreal uh, 2014, I think. The Canadian Nationals. I beat him pretty well. You know, he was, he was an extremely hard player to play against because very methodical and loves to argue. I beat him like four and three, but somehow the game had lasted two and a half hours. Yeah, that's what it's. There's some gamesmanship there with him that's very hard to break. He's like Dave, you know, just a horrible brat on the court, but off the court, oh, he's fun to hang with, Gentleman, you yeah. know. And you kind of wonder how can this nice guy go onto the court and play, uh, or how could this dude that's nice go onto the court and be a nice guy? But he's he puts it out there. His his type of. Um, competition in his brain is he goes into a different place and he's able to perform well in that place some yeah. players don't when they get mad but he seems like that this he, he needs, needs it. it yeah, yeah. Uh, he's an interesting dude yeah and i see a lot of the top pros they'll have these scores like remember that year that that emmett played him i believe or maybe he played uh, uh merv deckert but you know the top guys will go there and play daniel and they might get good scores against him but Daniel can make you look foolish as well. And Dave, you played him too. I mean, I, it's hard to believe a guy at 57 would even make it that many rounds in without being too sore to play. That's really the factor. It's how is your body going to react to these rounds of play that you're playing? How, how are you going to recover? Well, I would say more so than that, just having the reflexes and the speed to be able to compete with guys that are more than half your age. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Even more so than the endurance required to play three or four rounds. I agree with you. Was that segment eight, or was that like a side segment? That was a segment. It was. Can segment we, nine is our birthdays. Who's going to read that? I think Killy should be reading the birthdays. He doesn't. He doesn't have a list, but I have a printer. Yeah, let, let Killy do the list because we always make the guests do the birthday list. This is the official birthdays. Are we doing birthdays for the month of May? May? Okay. Starting with handball birthdays. Even though we've done all of these already on the previous no, these are, podcast, these are yeah, we did technically. Yeah, okay, okay, Killy. All right, so the first we have on the birthdays is Henry Fink, who turned seven yesterday, I believe. That's right. Is it yesterday, Dave? It was seven years ago yesterday. Mm-hmm. Trisha Fink popped out little Henry. Yes. And what did he get for his birthday? Oh my gosh, we can't even see the floor anymore. He got so many presents; they're just. Completely filled the living room and the kitchen. Where is Henry? I thought he was in this building. He's working. He's in my office. Working on eating that bagel? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations to little baby Henry. It's hard to believe that Henry is now the smartest person in this whole office, especially when it's only you and him well, in this building. Well, me in the middle of this year. So How, ath- how athletic is Henry? Is he going to be a, a, a star? Tennis? I like his tennis swing a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. I think it's a little early to tell, but yeah, I like it. Luis, did you go to that party last night? Uh, we weren't able to make it. Unfortunately, oh my gosh. That's sad. My kids were really looking forward to it. I tried to hire a magician for the party, but he never got back to me. <laughs> so 
We didn't have a magician. Really? No. That's too bad. <laughs> we did. I wasn't the, invited, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> we had the race freight number one and women's race freight number two there. That's which pretty turned cool. a lot of heads. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. And also the Olympian. Who was it? Carrie Strug. That's right. That's pretty cool too. Oh, that was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Pretty it's cool. All star. Yeah. All star cast, and they also I had a league tennis match last night. I didn't play in it. I'm the captain of my team, but. Four of the nicest guys I've ever met. All of them are good buddies of mine. Got into a screaming match on the court right next to the party. They're playing on the court. That's cool. Oh, yeah. It was really good. Are was, they like executive bankers? Uh, yeah. 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 That's, that's Killian even was really... I, I don't think I've ever seen Killian so happy. If, I think if he could go back and talk about his favorite moment, <laughs> if that was part of the season, I think that would have been Now, it. you guys held a birthday party on a tennis court? Yeah. Well, you rent the Ramada, which is right next to the court. Ramada. The Ramada is the... Kind of the, at the athletic club? Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. So right. we had the party there, and I told the guys, well, just play here. I, you know, I'd like to watch it. It's a big match. That's kind of cool. So you yeah. got to do two things then. Yeah. Celebrate your son's birthday and watch the top players play tennis. <laughs> right. What else we got, Killy? Um, we also have number two player from Canada, the Toronto Tank. Ryan Bowler turns 33. 33 years young. Still does not have a Canadian national title, believe it or not. Can you, you see that three? He's a doubles title. Yeah, that's true. And maybe even a one-wall title. But you see that 3-3 three, three his, for his age there in the brackets? That's how many points he's going to get off me in two games. Three and three. Wow. Don't you have to enter a tournament for that to happen? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It'll never happen. Right. I'm not sure why you always do this, but we go back in age now mm-hmm. with the next selection on our birthday Well, I just scroll list. down my bio list. Yeah, well, you should be putting them in number order. Okay. Now we have to go backwards to 23 years young, Killy. Um, we have Max Lang, Max Sidekick, Sam Esser, who turns 23. Is he sort of the the Robin to Sam, Max's Batman? I would I mean, say Batman, so. Because Batman, you would never have Robin be like seven feet tall. Oh, right? He's going to love that you guys said that. Right, because... <laughs> well, Esser gets the underachievement award for me. I mean, the guy's outstanding. He went to one stop this year. Yeah, he was and great he almost beat Danos Cordova, who well, made the finals. I've seen him nearly beat Andy Nett this year in Mankato. Yeah, right. Which was very impressive. Yeah, I mean, the guy's got a great game, and yet we don't see him on the tour. He goes, he travels 10 and a half hours every Friday, drives to Dallas or wherever they're going, huh. but not to the tour stops. He did say he's going to try to make uh, most tournaments next season. What yeah. in the Eric Torres is going on with Sam Esser? <laughs> Shorty Ruiz has a birthday. What, what age is he going to be, Killy? Um, Shorty Ruiz is going to thir- turn 32. Now, the bigger question is, will he remember it <laughs> the next day? Uh, I'd say not, no. <laughs> well, you have the official word there. I'm killing you. So. Well, maybe one last hurrah before the baby comes along. That's true. Maybe. It could be. Well, but see, I have how a you feeling... play Shorty tonight in the Armed Forces tribute. Yeah. First round. Wow, that's cool. Looking forward to it. You might win that, actually. <laughs> Who else do we have on the birthdays? Uh, the most interesting woman in handballs, who's Enzeroth, is it? She's turning 29. 29. I'd like to see her play in more tournaments. She made the finals of the women's race, one of the race stops in New York, I believe, right. last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, back Was it Enzeroth back then, or was she still Kaler? She was Kaler at that time. Okay. Yeah. She had a great stop there. Beat Danielle in the semifinals. I'd like to see her play again. Outstanding. And then last up, we have Dr. Dan Zimmett, who turns 49. 
That's um, from the wraparound. Also formerly top three ranked senior race rate star. And he's really good at three wall. Yeah. I mean, a really good three wall player. One of the best mm -hmm. of his age bracket. Okay, celebrity birthdays. We're going to have to give that one to Sienna. She does the celebs. And I'm only the only reason why I'm going to make this a Sienna thing is because, Dave, Sienna's all over Instagram. And she's, mm. she's reading the news, the okay. celeb news, the right. e-news. Sounds like a good fit. We have a long list. Well, let's make it fast then. Okay, uh, the first birthday we have, um, not sure about second name, but it's Michael Shea. Shea. <laughs> you don't watch Saturday Night Live? No, I put I, that on only for you. I, you're the only person I know that watches it. So I that was not. a tribute. He's turning 36. He does the weekend update. Okay. Yeah, you don't watch Saturday. Okay. No. I guess you weren't lying the first time you told me that. <laughs> I know the next one. Uh, Sam Smith is turning 27. Isn't he from England? Uh, he is. Yeah. I put that one on for you, Sienna. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Then we have Cher, who's going to be 73. 73. Hard to believe, right, Dad? Yeah, Dad knows all about the gypsies, the tramps, and the thieves. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, Tony Goldwyn from Scandal is going to be 59. Dave, you're into Scandal. I have never you seen did that Was for he you. in Ghost? Yeah. Okay. So I know so you Tony know who he is. From, yeah. yeah. Next up, we have Mr. T, who's going to be 67. He's so old, they're going to start calling him Mr. Low T. <laughs> <laughs> What's his most famous role? It would be on A-Team. Nice job, Dave. Did you get it? <laughs> did you get it? Like low testosterone? I got it. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't. That was good. Oh, okay. It's a little better. <laughs> Rocky gonna three? Him, they're going to give him a gold-plated I thought he was more life famous alert. for Rocky three. Well, I suppose no A-team. A-team. I never A-team. I say A-team by I say far. Rocky three. A-team. Mr. T isn't his real name, is it? It's only an A-team. He's Mr. T. No, he's Mr. T. Is he's, he? he calls himself Mr. T, although that's not his real name. But I think for his birthday, you can get him a gold-plated life alert necklace. It will go with all those chains that he has on. <laughs> I've fallen and I, you know. Okay, well, yeah. just act like I'm not here. Anyways, uh, next birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin is going to be 41. Jennifer spelled G-I-N-N? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it Jennifer or Jennifer? Yeah. Okay. And she's 41. Naomi Good Campbell? Actress? Naomi, I don't even know who she is. She was in He's Not That Into You? Yeah. Okay. Then she must not have been a good actress because that's a horrible movie. <laughs> Naomi Campbell, going to be 49. Happy birthday. She's a train wreck <laughs> waiting to happen. What's she from? She's a model. I think oh. Actress as well. Uh, then we have Melissa McBride from The Walking Dead, who's going to be 54. Anybody here watch Walking Dead? No. I thought that'd be up your alley. No, I don't. No, oh. no. Why would you think that's up my alley? I don't even know what it is. It just sounds like something Are you would watch. Are you serious? You don't what know what it, it is? No. Unbelievable. Get out of this room. <laughs> Next up, we have Ian McKellen from Lord of the Rings, who's going to be 80. Are you... Oh. Does Martin know who this guy is? I mean, because wasn't Martin an extra in Lord yes. of the Rings? Was yeah. that? Oh, no, he wasn't an extra in Lord of the Rings. He was an extra in um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Oh, Game oh, of Thrones. Okay. Yeah. He went to New, he's difference. seen the backdrop in New Zealand. That's yeah. what he said. Okay. So basically an extra. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> he, um, saw the, he saw the behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. They weren't filming at the time. <laughs> no. He was there, but though. But that's the behind the scenes. 
I guess I've been in Harry Potter, so. <laughs> if we use that same philosophy, I guess so. You're right. I've been in like 40 uh, John Wayne films. <laughs> um, hey, it worked. Melanie Brown is going to be 44. Former Spice Girls. Oh. Mel B. Oh. Ah. And now she's a judge nope, on... Nope. She isn't. She's not? No longer. She was a judge. Was. I can't believe... You, for a guy that puts this down, you need to research a little bit more. She got she got let go, okay? Well, I just remember when our good buddy Luke Rollins was on the show, she was a judge. Yeah. Okay. But that was eight years ago. Okay, keep going. Next, Clint Eastwood is going to be 89. That's amazing. That actually makes my day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's good. Anyways, uh, Heidi Klum, 46. Don't know if I said her surname correctly. Clum. She's Clum? also not a judge on... I didn't say she was. I'm just waiting <laughs> for you to say it. I had a feeling <laughs> that I'm you were going to say oh, commit to that. Along with Mel B. So they don't celebrate on the same day, though. That's right. The, her, this her. week. Okay, it's so this week. Yeah. Right. Next up, we have comedian slash actress Amy Schumer, who's going to be 38. Recently had a child. Fun fact. Yeah. That just gives her more ammunition when she's on stage to talk about her female parts. Yeah. Are you I'm a sure. fan, Sienna, of Amy Schumer? Uh, she makes me laugh. Yeah. I like her stand-up. Uh-huh. Are you? I was a huge fan. Now I'm not I'm not as big a fan, but yeah, she's good. She's mm. funny. And last but not least, we have Dana Carvey. Oh, my goodness. Who's going to be 64. Dana Carvey from <laughs> formerly with Saturday Night Live. The church lady. Don't know her. Louise? Senior? Oh my. <laughs> wow. You're on your own. He's a legend. I'm going to shoot myself. <laughs> shoot myself in the head. Yeah. Yeah, no, one of my all-time favorite for me. I didn't put this list together, but if I would have, I would have let off with him. He's the, the absolute greatest. He was, with in, he was Garth and Wayne and Garth and Wayne's World. Oh, really? He's Garth. Yeah. No the way. The blonde-haired one. You see, oh that's, you have to relate to the kids when you put this <laughs> stuff on here, Dave. Yeah, he's awesome. I saw him in concert in Las Vegas, and I absolutely don't remember it, which really was an upsetting moment. Sort of like Luis in New Orleans when you had to play John Iglesias. I knew that was going to come up. What? Just waiting to weave that in. I'm just... <laughs> that match. Well, it I only mean, took you tried. Like, took like four years, and I finally got it in, you know. We've had a lot of radio casts, though, so... I think that's going to wrap up our show. I mean, unless you have something else you'd like to say, but we're way over on time. Well, I want to thank our guests for stepping in here. Now, they are just fresh off Salt Lake City. They're playing tonight in the Armed Forces Tribute, where Killian has won the last two years singles and doubles, the only two times he's ever played in it. Lucho, you're playing in your first Armed Forces, I believe, right? Uh, Yeah. And Sienna also in her first. Although, when Luis made the finals of Salt Lake City in 2017... He was packing some heat in his in his trousers there when he was on the court. So it's his second technical armed forces event where he he had a little uh, a little twenty two pistol. You know wow. they allow you to conceal and carry there. So okay. now it's his I second wanna... time he's done it, but it's his first event here in Tucson. This is sort of a stretch. Okay, I made we're all, trying to wrap. I, up, I made all that stuff up. So just in case you wonder, Siana, you're playing shorty tonight in the men's pro singles. Yep. Why have you not entered a men's qualifier yet? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I mean, you've entered a number of men's open tournaments in the Midwest. I see you in the Des Moines and 
some of these other Minnesota tournaments. Love to see you in the qualifier. Maybe next year, Dave. Okay. I mean, you should be able to beat Mike Galton, so. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> I just shot, made that shot with that pistol that Luis Cordova has. Solid. Concealed weapon. Did he get a permit for that to carry it into the oh, handbook? Nope, I'm not Mexican. at all. You okay. think I got a permit? No. <laughs> I don't have a permit to be here. I think that's going to wrap up the show. Dave? Episode number 24 of the Dave and Dave Handball Sports Radio cast in the books with Killian, Sienna, and Luis. Luis Sr. kind of creepily hanging over the right <laughs> shoulder of Son Jr., Dave Fink, and Dave Vincent. Anything else you want to add? What's your What's your last moment of the day? Well, give I'm us look, a moment. Is this? Are we previewing something that's going to no, come up? No, just give us a thought. Thought of the day. Quote. Quote. Well, last night was a great night. Uh, I wish we would have had a magician at the party, but we didn't. Lucho unable to make it, but we did have the number one and two pros in the world there. They were playing tennis. The party was outstanding. Now I'm making it about me. But uh-huh. my son enjoyed a great evening. And then That's tonight awesome. we're back at the club. There's a barbecue tonight, which I know you're going to be attending. And then we've got some great matchups tonight. I, to I hear there's the magic tournament. tonight at the barbecue. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There was magic and there's, there's always magic, but... <laughs> No, my, my kids are graduating from high school today. Oh, Today's their big day between 6 and 9 p.m. Oh, okay. But, Luis, what's your moment? Um, Got really silent in here. Moment from what? From this? Yeah, from, t- from, from the this show. Morning? Yeah, from Dave show. wants to bring it about, like, last night and tonight and yesterday and all this stuff. I'm talking about what's your I'm moment from the show? I've already erased this show from my memory. That's good. Smart. <laughs> Smart person. <laughs> my best moment was when I grabbed that balero out of your... Uh huh. Playing cabinet and I beat you at your own game. Wow. That was my favorite moment. That's a good one. Yeah, that was good. You actually scored 20 points. I've never scored a point on that game. <laughs> <laughs> moment, Sienna? Just the whole experience has been one of a kind. Having That's to be forced to out of bed to come down here when you should be sleeping? This is probably my moment of the entire season. Uh, well, I knew you'd say that. Yeah. I had that prepared. Killy, what was your moment? <laughs> Simply amazed Dave Fink is still wearing that belt. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, have a great day. We're out of here. Dave and Dave, these guys are amazing. Just ask Donald Trump. It's rigged like you've never seen before. They talk sports on iTunes, WPH Live TV, and TuneIn Radio. I'm too sexy for my shirt. Too sexy for my shirt. So sexy, yeah.